week or something happening. Uh, some are meeting in person. Uh, pretty tumultuous in many ways in our country, even in our area. We had this uh, kind of crazy storm move through on Thursday, right? I hope all of you have power again. It looks like y'all had showers, so that's a good sign. Uh, but it really was a, a pretty unique storm, and so hopefully you made it through that well, and uh, your house and your business, and most of all, your family is safe. We know that Louisiana uh, had a hurricane come through, and unfortunately, people did lose their lives in that. We need to pray for those that have lost loved ones, and those that will be rebuilding you know, homes and businesses now for a long, long time. We certainly also know there's a, another type of storm in our country. Uh, social unrest is... Uh, really at a level that I am not remember seeing in my uh, brief lifetime. Thank you, it's brief. Um, in my lifetime. But, you know, it seemed like it was dying down, right, last Sunday. And then we know last Sunday, uh, Kenosha police officer shot Jacob Blake uh, seven times. And, and he's in the hospital paralyzed. And that then led to more protests where some other, uh, where people were killed. And, and it's just uh, yet another uh, event that's happened in our country. Certainly, uh, maybe the most notable was George Floyd. In Minnesota as he died in police custody and uh, those things are continuing to to play out uh, as we watch and certainly Friday was the 57th anniversary of the March on Washington where Martin Luther King shared his I have a dream speech and many marched on Washington again not just to commemorate that day but really to demand the changes that they see that are necessary in our country Many of the professional athletes, the NBA, the Major League Baseball uh, League, and also the NHL, all the players in those leagues uh, sat some games out. They postponed some games really to, to show their solidarity with the black community and also to bring a, a brighter spotlight uh, onto the need for change in our country. I do believe change is needed. How to bring about that change? Pretty difficult question to answer, right? We need to be praying for wisdom for that for those that will be trying to implement some of those changes. What I will say personally is I don't think removing support for the police is, is the answer to that. Uh, I understand that, as Denny talked about a few weeks ago, every profession has some, some people that aren't great in it, right? But for me, the majority, if not all of the, the police officers, the, the men and women who wear that uniform, man, they're, they're heroes who need more support now, not less. So I, I'd hate to see that be taken away from them. At the same time, uh, I, I do understand that I, I'm a white male, and I have no idea what it's like to be a black person in the United States. And I've now talked to a couple of them that I, that I know and listened to some that I respect. I, I know enough to know that they face fear and feel fear every day that I, I don't feel, I don't fear, I don't see, I'll never sense, I'll never really know what it's like just because of their skin color. So, so things need to change, absolutely. It's interesting that as I was looking at the, the, this sermon, and again, preparing it as this week was going on, you know, the question comes up, so what do, what do we want to do? What, what should we do? What does God want us to do? What does God want us to know? Weeks ago, before any of this was happening, we had decided to do Psalm 1 last week, Psalm 2 this week. And I think as we look at Psalm 2 this week, we're going we're gonna to find some answers, some warnings, and a promise that will give us some hope as we grapple with the situation in our country today. Psalm 2 had tremendous significance for the Israelites because it showed them that David was going to have a king on the throne forever. That's what it said. It has significance for us as well because this psalm also talks about Jesus. We're going to see that as we go on this morning. 
But I want to begin in verse 1 of Psalm 2. So if you have your Bibles, follow along. It'll also be on the screen there for you. I want to go through this psalm, and then I want to spend some time talking about what it means for us today. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. You know, since this psalm was written several thousand years ago, many kings and rulers have risen who have tried to throw off the shackles of what they think are binding chains upon them. Many evil kings have come up and they've tried to raise themselves up and really they've, many of them have tried to get rid of the belief in God altogether. Certainly belief in an infinite God. In David's time, there were enemies who tried this. Certainly in history, think of the, the Communist Party leaders. Think of the dictators that they want to do away with the idea of God. We fought world wars that had something to do with that. People trying to, to say they were the ones in power. There was no God. Today in our country and in other countries, there are philosophers, right? There are social media influencers. There are people of influence, politicians who want to get rid of the notion that there's a God. They look at the Bible as a fairy tale at best, at best. And they really believe that the ideas contained in it are outdated. And just like in David's time, they, they think the idea of, a, of an infinite God, it, it, they feel like it's a chain, a shackle around their necks. And they want to get rid of those shackles and be free. And they want others, others to join them in their so-called freedom. That still is happening today, just like it was happening when this psalm was written. Certainly many leaders over the years have banned the Bible. And many today still continue to try to ban the ideas contained within it. Certainly many in our lives live, many in our culture live lives in direct contradiction to clear biblical teaching, and they endorse those who do the same. They rebel against the Bible and what it teaches and therefore against God. So what's God's response in this psalm to those people, to these rulers and kings? It says this, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies in them in his wrath, saying, I have installed on my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Really, this says God laughs at their attempt to discredit him. He laughs at their attempt to undo the laws that he has established under which the world operates. But he doesn't laugh at them to mock them. He, he laughs at them. I heard a great illustration. It, it's like if we're, we're a parent and we have a three-year-old, and the parent wants to race us. And the, and the three-year-old really thinks they can win. You notice I said three-year-old, not 13-year-old. Okay? The three-year-old, I can take. Like, I know it. I, I am faster than the three-year-old. He, the, the, he or she doesn't know that, but I do. And really, it's the same thing here. So I, I kind of laugh at them, but I'll say, sure, let's race. And, and it's, it's the same thing here. I know something my child doesn't. He can't win. She can't win. God knows something the rulers don't know. He's in control. They aren't. Plain and simple. And so he laughs at the idea. They think that they are in the positions that they are in because of their ability, their talent, their hard work. He knows they're in the positions they're in because he's allowed them to be in those positions. That's true for kings and rulers. In our present day, that's true for, for presidents and politicians and fill in the blank, athletes, celebrities, it doesn't matter. God is the one who allows them to be in those positions. And then he has a message for all of those individuals, those who think they're going to set their country, and we've had rulers over, the, over history who think they're going to set the whole world on a different course. He says, I've set my king 
on Zion. He's in charge. He's ruling. You aren't. That's the message. When David wrote this psalm, he was certainly referring to the fact that God had told David, you're going to be on the throne. And, and you're also going to have a descendant on the throne. As we look through the lens of history, we can see that that descendant was Jesus. We, David didn't know that. The Israelites didn't know it. But we now know it. The one who I've spoken of in Psalm is, is the one who is not only was on a throne for a while, he's on the throne now and forever. That's what we know about Jesus. And verses 7 to 9 continue to talk about this anointed one. It says this, God said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. Several translations say you will rule them with an iron scepter and you will dash them to pieces like pottery. The idea is there's a definitive power to his rule and no one can stand against it. That's what's true about this anointed one. There are two New Testament passages I want to read to you quickly that show that the New Testament church and the, the authors of the New Testament saw these verses, this, this psalm as referring to Jesus. In, in Acts 13, Paul says this, We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. And then in Acts chapter 4, a couple of Jesus' disciples, two of them were put in prison for preaching the truth about Jesus, really, and then they are set free, and it says this, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. And here's where they quote the psalm. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. It's very clear that they see the words in Psalm 2 as describing Herod and Pilate and the other leaders conspiring against Jesus, who is called the Anointed One of God. And then the last three verses of Psalm 2 say this, Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will be angry, and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. David reminds those of us reading the psalm and those that read the psalm back then that the wise choice is not to rebel against the king, but to serve the Lord. The, the phrase he uses, kiss his son, is this idea of paying respect. So it's the idea of coming into the presence of a king, bowing down and kissing the hand of the, the prince who is there. It's showing that the king is the one who is in has authority, and I'm simply in service to the king. David says, that's your proper reaction and response to this king. These warnings that are contained make clear that there are consequences for those that disobey the law, the king's ways, his direction. And then that last sentence contains a brilliant promise, blessed are all who take refuge in him. You know, these few verses 10, 11, and 12, really point us back to Psalm 1, which Pastor Joe talked about last week. Psalm 1, verse 6. Remember, it says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. 
That's the last verse of Psalm 1. The, the last sentence of Psalm 2 is, Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Do you see those parallels? There's some warnings, but there's also a great promise. You see, Pastor Joe mentioned last week that Psalm 1 and 2, they are placed within the book of Psalms uh, very strategically. They're there for a specific reason. They weren't the first one written and the second one written, but they were put in that order for this reason. Psalm 1 basically says, I think Pastor Joe's here. He took like a half hour for this. This is like 60 seconds. This is what Psalm 1 says. Yeah, so. You ought to live your life following God's direction. And if you do, you'll be blessed. You'll be happy. And if you don't, there'll be consequences. There'll be trouble. It wasn't that hard, really. You see, God's word, but, but, but Pastor Joe did give us some great insights last week. One of the things he said was, God's word is the map to how to live life. And you, then you remember that important phrase that he used, the life you lead depends on the path you follow. Man, what, what great insight. The path you lead depends, the life you lead depends upon the path you follow. And, and then immediately after that, that, that's the message of Psalm 1. Psalm 2 says, oh yeah, and the rulers and the kings, they don't follow at all. They do the exact opposite. That's what, that, that's what Psalm 2 says. In fact, if you read the rest of the Psalms, what you're going to find is that although there were people who desired to live according to God's direction, his map. And although there were some who did do that much of their lives, there was actually no one who was able to follow God's direction, his map, perfectly. And that's why Psalm 2 points us to Jesus. Because already God knew we were going to need a way to escape. You see, Jesus is the one who makes it possible for us to not live according to God's map perfectly and still escape the judgment that's talked about in these psalms. These psalms point to the truth, like Pastor Joe said last week, that Jesus is the way. He's the only way, the only path we choose that can allow us to escape judgment. And he's the only way we can live the, the life that we desire to live and that God desires us to live. You see, the Israelites, they read this psalm and they were encouraged. They were encouraged because it reminded them that in the midst of being uh, overrun by other nations, in the midst of being ruled by evil kings, God was ultimately still in control. It encouraged them. And I think it can encourage us as well. We need this encouragement this, this morning. When there was uncertainty in the, in the life of the Israelites, they read this psalm and were encouraged. In the uncertain times that we live in, we can read this psalm and be encouraged. So just as Pastor Joe said last week, hey, what does this psalm mean for us? I'm going to ask that question today. What does this psalm mean for us today? What lessons are found in Psalm 2 which can be applied to our lives? There's really lots of them, but uh, one of the privileges we have as pastors is to pick out the ones we want to talk about. And so the very first one, I think, I hope is quite clear, God is in control. That's the first lesson. And maybe a follow-up question to that is, okay, so how should that impact us? I think it should impact us in a lot of ways, but specifically, uh, for me, I couldn't get out of my head this week that the November elections are coming. And, and so this psalm, I hope, will shape our view, it should impact our view of government and government officials. So first of all, I want to say, we have a tremendous privilege in our country to vote for government officials at almost every level. And we should, we should exercise that privilege, right? There are people in countries all around the world who live and die who never have that privilege. So please, let's vote, not just in presidential elections, but every chance we get. I want to encourage you to do that. We also have tremendous freedom in this country to, to let our voice be heard, right, to express ourselves. 
uh, through a variety of means. We can demonstrate. We can march on Washington. We can campaign for someone. We can put signs in our front yard. Don't you always wonder when like one neighbor has one and one neighbor has the other what it's like in, you know, when they're out cutting grass and they like cut into the other person's yard? Anyway. We do. We have that privilege. That's awesome. I, I want to encourage you to use that privilege. Speak out. Demonstrate if you desire. Campaign if you like. But I also want to issue you a word of caution, maybe a challenge. While you do that, would you do it with grace? Do it with grace. Because we need to honor and respect other people. Even when they think that my candidate or my party or my opinion is wrong. We need to treat them with honor and grace. And even when they don't treat us with honor and grace. Honor and respect. And here's the reason why. Because if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a Christ follower, everywhere you go, everything you do, everything you say, everything you write reflects Jesus Christ. You represent, we represent Jesus to those people. Even the ones we disagree with and we think they don't have a clue. We represent Jesus to them as well. Scripture is clear, we need to value others, even those that have different political opinions and beliefs and ideas on issues that we have. There's another lesson as well found in Psalm 2. God alone can bring about a better future. So I just got done saying it's important to vote for these officials, and it is, because we have a, a part to play in that. So please support your candidate, campaign again if you desire. But I, I really want you to remember as well <laughs> That if we believe getting a specific candidate or party in power is going to solve the problems that we face for our future as a country, I think maybe we need to read Psalm 2 again, more slowly. Because God is the one who's in control. No party, no candidate is going to solve the problems that we face. I'm convinced of that. In fact, if you put your hope for a brighter future into, into another person's hands, like you're depending on the president, doesn't matter. Another elected official, an athlete, a celebrity to bring about a, a brighter future. You're going to be disappointed. Only God can bring about the changes necessary to bring about a better future. And so I want to encourage you to do this. Pray. Would you pray that God will bring about the changes? Even as you campaign, pray. Pray about what God would have you say and not say. Even as you demonstrate, if you desire to do that, pray about what to say, when to say it, maybe when to remain silent. Pray, because God is the one, the only one, that can bring about the change that's necessary. I'm convinced of that. Think about the racial tensions in, in our country right now. No presidential candidate, no government candidate anywhere is going to pass a law that's going to make any person less prejudiced. Laws aren't going to change that. No one's going to have an argument with someone to make them less prejudiced. But I'm convinced that God, through his Holy Spirit, can make someone aware of their prejudice and can bring them to a point of repentance where they desire to change and be transformed. He is the only one who can do that. And so on this issue as well, certainly speak out on racial injustice, but pray. Take action, but pray. Because again, God alone can bring about the change necessary in me and in you, and in others as well. God alone is able to bring about a brighter 
future. But he's already actually guaranteed we can have an amazing future. And that brings me to my third lesson here in this psalm. We can escape judgment if we follow the way that God has provided. Remember the last sentence says, blessed are all who take refuge in him. That idea of refuge for me is always, you know, you've seen movies and I've been to Kansas where these people, they, they build underground shelters. And the, they get a warning on their cell phone nowadays, it used to be a siren and they run to the shelter because a, a tornado's been spotted. And they're underground and they escape the storm. They're safe. And when the storm passes, they come out. It's a place of refuge. Scripture says God provides refuge. Psalm 18 says this, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. And the truth is, we need refuge. Not just from the storms of life, but I want to tell you that another storm is coming, really. Scripture tells us that. It's a, it's a day of reckoning that we'll all have to face. Second Timothy says this, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead? Judgment is coming. That's what the Bible teaches. There's a day coming where all will be judged. Last week, again, Pastor Joe did a great job of showing that the path we choose makes a difference. It makes a difference. There are consequences. The life we lead depends on the path we follow. Many of us, many of us in the room have come to a place in our lives like this slide illustrates. We, we've come to a place and we've chosen to take the path that has led us to become a Christ follower. We, we, we have trusted him to take away our punishment. So we trust him to be our refuge today, right now, and also in that day of judgment that is coming. He's our refuge. We need a refuge. Jesus is the way for that refuge. Last week, again, Pastor Joe read John 14. Jesus says, I am the way, or the path. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he asked us last week, remember, are you walking the path that Jesus is wanting you to walk? Are you walking on the path that Jesus is asking you to walk? Great question. Here's what I want you to know. Remember, the life you lead depends on the path you follow. The very first step to be on the path that Jesus wants you to follow. The very first step is to choose, yes, I believe Jesus died and took my punishment. That's the only way to get on the road he desires you to be on. That's it. It's the only way to escape judgment, punishment, when the day of judgment comes. So here's the truth. What you do with Jesus is the most important decision you'll ever make, by far. Way more important than to take that new job or buy that new house or what career to pursue or who to marry or whether to, or not to get married. What you do with Jesus, the decision you make about him, what you believe about him is the most important decision. So in using Pastor Joe's terminology, it's the why in the path that, that will determine more than anything else the life you lead. That'll determine the path you're on and the life you'll lead. It won't only impact every day you live on this planet Scripture actually tells us it'll determine where you spend all of eternity. Revelation 20 says this, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The truth is, I will be judged. You will be judged. 
That's what scripture says. And if we do not believe what the Bible says about Jesus, that judgment will result in punishment. I don't want to sugarcoat that. I don't want to pretend it's not true. It is true. But the Bible also contains amazing good news. The Bible says that although we all, not just all of us in the room, all that have ever lived deserve judgment, they deserve punishment, God loved us and he provided a way for us not to receive the punishment that we deserve. Jesus came to earth and lived a perfect life, only person to do that. In fact, Jesus is the only person that's ever lived who didn't deserve punishment, but he chose to be judged in our place and take our punishment. That's what happened on the cross. He was killed as our punishment. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. He was seen by thousands, sorry, hundreds of people. And then he was raised to heaven where it says he still lives today. And he will live for all eternity. And we can live with him. I, I know you've heard that before. Hey, everyone wants to go to heaven. Right? Country song, everyone wants to go to heaven, just don't really want to go now, something like that. No, everyone wants to go. How do you get there? It's by believing that Jesus Christ died to take your punishment. And I receive forgiveness from my punishment by believing that he did that for me in my place. And you receive your forgiveness from your punishment by believing he did that for you personally in your place. Not just globally, but for you personally. The amazing truth of scripture is God loves us. We sang about it. And of course, there's a, maybe the most well-known verse, John 3, 16, right? God so loved the world, that's everyone in it, that he sent his son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in him, I, you've heard this verse, I hope, whoever believes in him, well, what do you believe in? You believe that he died and took your punishment. That's the belief part. So that we will not perish, we will not receive the punishment we deserve, but instead, we'll receive eternal life and be able to live with him for all eternity. And then Luke 19 says, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. I've asked Dave and, and Pam to come and sing a song that I think illustrates better than I could with just words the fact that Jesus is always walking with you. And he's, even if you don't know it, he's bringing you to a why in the path where you need to decide, yes, I believe he took my punishment or no, I, I don't I don't yet believe that. So let's listen to this song together, then I'm gonna come back out. Every time I try to make it on Every time I try to stand, I start to fall. And all those lonely roads that I have traveled on, there was Jesus. When the life I built came crashing to the ground, 